Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-host, Mickey Turner. This is the other voice that you hear. Tim Foss. Of course, Ari Lillian Wall. This has been an extremely weird podcast. Getting dragged all day. So the bottom line is they, they don't have an answer to that. There's a reason they got signed to first team contracts. And if you're not going to give them respect for that, then have fun losing again next Very year. special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounders. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome to a special edition of Nos Arietes and the Center Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan, joined by Sounders majority owner, Adrian Hanauer, good to catch up with you again, Adrian. Great to be with you. You always, I, I get this feeling that you always say a special edition, and I, I, They're all, it always all makes me feel special, and then I'm like, wait, I think he said that last time he opened this up. Oh, well, you know, this is, uh, we're, 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 we're releasing this on two different channels, so, you know, that's what makes this one particularly special, but... Um, it's not like a limited edition, no, gold-plated, no. Not this time. We don't have that yet. One of these days, we're going we're gonna to get around to there, but um, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Uh, as, it, as it turns out, some very timely, a very timely interview... Uh, you, by the time this will have come out, you, you guys will have announced that Todd Lywicki has rejoined the Sounders organization, uh, bringing you guys back to some of those 2009 roots. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, we're, we're super excited. Uh, Todd, his wife, Tara, their, their family joining, uh, joining the ownership group, um, which is already an amazing, uh, amazing group of obviously successful people in in our community but but more than anything just really really good people who care about seattle our community the sounders um and uh you know i some of the the owners that we brought on a while back i've i've become friends with and and grown to to really love and respect um and others like Todd and Tara, I've known, you know, for, I think I, I went back, I think for 17 years. And, you know, again, I, I just, I love, I love Todd and Tara. And, uh, you know, Todd, sort of think of Todd as a, um, a, a mentor, um, someone I look up to, um, you know, hope to operate a, a business, a sports franchise, half as, half as well as, uh, as he does. Um, and hopefully have picked up a few things over, over time. And uh, for those that haven't, now he's around to, uh, to make sure I'm, I'm not screwing things up. Yeah, he's had quite a... Uh... Oh, beauty of... This was getting a phone call. Uh, so the... <laughs> Uh, he, he's had quite a bit of success everywhere he's going. It's, it's got Super Bowl rings. He's got, uh, I guess he doesn't have an MLS Cup title, but he, I believe he's been to the NHL Stanley Cup at least um, with, with the Lightning. He was uh, COO, I guess, of the NFL at one point. And most recently he's been with the Kraken. Is this going to, and I know you're in the ownership group of the Kraken. Is this speak to any additional synergies to use a word that i'm sure you love uh or is this is this not really have anything to do with the kraken yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't say it has anything to do with the kraken um although you know again i i am involved in the ownership group a bunch of um a bunch of uh of the owners of the, the local owners of kraken are my friends um they're friends with the Sounders ownership. So there's, there's a lot of ideas exchanged. Um, we su are super collaborative, cooperative in the market. Um, if we need a favor, you know, we know who to call, vice versa. Um, so, you know, nothing formal, but, um, but definitely a, another great partner in the community. Uh, you know, I will go back to, you, you know, 
you mentioning um, the success of the Lightning, um, uh, the Seahawks, and 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 the Sounders. And you know, I would I'd be remiss if I didn't suggest that Todd may be the best culture carrier of any executive I've ever worked with. Um, and you know, it is not coincidental that um, the Seahawks are thriving. Um, you know, by the way, he was the one who brought Pete Carroll and uh, John Schneider to, to the Seahawks. Um, similarly in Tampa, like that, that group of executives and hockey leadership are, you know, are the leftovers of Todd's handiwork. Um, you know, and a lot of the people that are, you know, whatever piece to the puzzle of the Sounders being successful over these years, um, you, you know, Todd had, had his uh, uh, fingerprints on. So, uh, and, you know, you and I have talked a lot. I'm a, I'm a big believer in culture and, and that organizations are successful. It's not individuals. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, Todd is certainly someone who I've, um, who I've uh, watched sort of live that, live that uh, value. So this is his, his joining the ownership group comes at a, at an interesting time, obviously, in, in the sports world, I guess, uh, the, the release actually said that the announcement was delayed because of what's going on in the world, um, that he's actually been involved with the ownership group. for Other than this past week where everything was right. normal. <laughs> yeah, this last week where somehow every week seems like we joke about how uh, one week is really like the equivalent of one month and then one day is the equivalent of one month. Now it seems like one hour is the yeah. equivalent of one month. But... Um, you know, it is something that's very much on our minds. Uh, do we? Do you have a sense of of how likely Sounders fans are to be coming back to CenturyLink, and and what kind of changes they might expect if they if you have fans next year? Oh, you're next year. You're already on to next year. Oh, I'm already on to. Do you think yeah. this year? I mean, I don't know. No, I, no. Is there any chance of fans being there? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, uh, you know, I was, I thought you might ask about this year um and I, I you know i have my answer prepared i'm like dude it's october already and um <laughs> i've given up on uh, it already <laughs> yeah um so you know look if if we're talking about next year um look to your point about um weeks feeling like months i you know i don't want to speculate too much i i think that you know there is progress um, there, you know, obviously we're learning a lot more about this disease. Um, testing is getting better, although not maybe at the pace that a lot of us would have thought, uh, you know, when we started talking about it six months ago. Um, therapeutics, uh, definitely getting better. Um, uh, vaccine on the horizon and, and you know, and showing encouraging signs, um, uh, you know, hopefully one day maybe the depoliticization of, uh, of, of wearing a mask uh, and, you know, being respectful of uh, the people around you, but, um, you know, it, at least in our, in our community, that seems to be a little less political, um, you know, hopefully hand-washing isn't political, um, uh, <laughs> social distancing. Can't put anything past anyone these days. Yeah, um, but, uh, you know, I think that, and, and, and then, um, you know, certainly with this much time in advance, we have scheduling, you know, we can, we can certainly try to optimize our schedule for next year uh, for when we think, you know, things may be back to normal or close to back to normal. Um, what that means for fans coming to games, I, you know, what I, what I might have said to you, well, I probably did say to you several months ago is probably different than, than I would today. I, um, I, but I don't, I don't know. I don't 
you know, there's taking people's temperatures was kind of the hot idea, you know, several months ago. I'm not sure that that actually is quite as hot today um, because I think we've seen that you can not have a temperature and still be positive for the for the virus and still be contagious. Um, uh, so I don't I don't know what what it'll look like next year. Um, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic that some to all of next year will start to get us back to normal. And and you know, I think I'm you know the way I look at the world. 2022 is, you know, is probably the year in which maybe we all sigh a, a giant uh, sigh of relief and, and, you know, start to go back about our lives in a, in a, in a 99% more normal way. How That's my, Adrian's, you know, crystal ball. So I'll, I'll just throw a theory out there and, and you can certainly feel free to take the, do with it what you will, but I, I've kind of been putting out this idea that it doesn't seem totally out of the realm of possibility that we could live in a world next year where there's enough rapid testing that you need to sh basically show proof of a, you know, a, a negative test in order to go into a big public space. Is that something that you think is possible? Yeah, I do think that's possible. Um, I, uh, I actually have a friend who uh, who has a company that has developed a. You know, I'm not. I'm not the only one. There are lots of them out there. You know, a a, a one minute, um, uh, a one minute uh, COVID test. Um, you know, one of those five dollar, seven dollar things. Um, uh, uh, going for emergency use authorization. So I, I do think the technology will exist to do that. Um, you know, again, I, the cynical part of me, Jeremiah, is that, um, you know, and, and, you know, this is, this is sort of my cynical and my, my fear is that um, as a nation, we can't convince everyone that wearing a mask is, is uh, a way to, you know, avoid getting the virus or giving it to someone, um, how we're gonna convince people to either go get a vaccine or install an app on their iPhone that actually is going to track and, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful, but I'm also, you know, certainly concerned that, um, you know, we may not, uh, we may not, well, I know we're not all on the same page as a country in terms of what is appropriate and what isn't. So, um, you know, but we'll just, we'll just take it a week at a time and, uh, um, uh, and, you know, obviously we'll see what happens uh, in November in the election and hopefully, you know, as a, as a nation, we start coming together, whatever, you know, whatever the outcome is. Um, because I do know that uh, that we need more people in the boat rowing in the same direction to be a high functioning society. Yeah, uh, and so how I, I have to imagine this all makes planning for 2021 very complicated. Uh, I would imagine in some ways 2020 has maybe become easier because you now at least just accept like you you. You, you can kind of pencil in the losses and, and, and you know what you're in for, but how much does it complicate 2021 and, and how has it impacted? How does the, what's already happened, but also the unknowns of what's kind of coming down the pike uh, yeah. for 2021 affected things? Well, I mean, the first thing I'll say is our, our staff um, has been unbelievable, uh, resilient, um, uh, pliable, um, uh, selfless, um, you know, uh, um, collaborative, um, uh, innovative, you know, th this, this, I mean, 2020 has been difficult, 
uh, and you know whether it's the senior team, every, everybody down to you know the players, medical staff, the you know uh, everybody in the organization has been awesome to get us this far. Um, I would say you know I I the only area where I'll disagree, like we're so used to the unknown and the difficult difficulty in terms of planning and preparing that I think that it's kind of become, uh, uh, you know, a bit of a strength of ours organizationally um, that we just know that next week is going to bring something new um, and, and we're going to have to pivot and, uh, and, and find a solution. So, um, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not, no more worried about 2021 and the preparation. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually not worried about it given how, uh, well the, the team has performed and doesn't mean that I have any idea what's going to happen, but I just know that we're going to, we're going to figure out how to get through it, whatever, whatever is thrown our way. So, you know, as far as uh, there must be some impacts and maybe, I don't know, maybe there isn't impacts, but w what can you say about, you know, we, this time last year, I feel like there was all these things on the table of, of things that you had hoped to do. Um, you know, and, and it was around the same time that the ownership, this is around this time last year, I guess that the, the ownership team was unveiled. Uh, but, you know, and three big ones that I wanted to, to get your, get any updates on are, are the stadium in Tacoma, uh, the training facility and any preparations for a 2026 world cup bid. Um, okay. Uh, so, um, uh, look, I, I, for sure COVID, um, uh, and, and social justice issues, uh, definitely put a speed bump, uh, up on, on all three of those. Um, the stadium, you know, there are lots of different constituents involved. And so that one, the stadium in Tacoma is, you know, is, is complicated further by, you know, our partnership with the Rainiers, uh, uh, city parks, city of Tacoma, or, uh, um, uh, and so, sorry, I think it's county parks. I should know that. Uh, but, um, uh, <laughs> Um, and so, uh, th that one I would say is, is still, you know, th th that one has not really been re reactivated, um, if you will. Um, which is to say that it's, it's kind of where it was last time we talked. Yeah, it's out there, but everyone has, you know, has basically been rightfully focused on other priorities. Um, the, um, training facility has, uh, uh, we, you know, we've sort of rekindled conversations on that. Um, you know, we, we see some glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel, uh, and, and sort of getting back to normal. Um, uh, you know, there are, there are even, even, even then, um, you know, there are things happening in terms of uh, um, things affecting our needs. Um, you, you know, the, it wasn't more than three or four months ago that U.S. soccer um, got out of the Development Academy. MLS created MLS Next, which is not completely defined which could have a knock-on effect on our needs in terms of a training facility. And so um, I don't want to say that, that, that it was, you know, a positive thing that, that we, you know, put, a, put the brakes on. But um, what we end up needing, wanting, coming out the other end of this could be modified by some of the, you know, some of the changes happening in the development space. Um, uh, but again, we are, you know, we're starting to talk to, uh, various communities and, and, um, people that control land and our partners at Starfire about, you know, what, what we want going forward. Um, 
Uh, and in terms of the World Cup, again, the, the, the breaks were put on. But, but recently, um, uh, I think it was probably two months ago, we made a presentation to FIFA and U.S. soccer. Um, uh, and that has sort of, again, been rekindled. And, um, you know, I know some site visits are starting to be planned um, uh, by FIFA, U.S. soccer, again, you know, assuming physical visits are possible and quarantines aren't in place and so on and so forth. Um, you know, we, we remain cautiously optimistic that, that we can earn the right to host World Cup games here in Seattle. Um, and, you know, we do believe that the World Cup in 2026, whether in Seattle or not, will be a, you know, a force magnifier that, 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 that it will uh, help to, you know, continue the, the growth of this game in, in this country and in Seattle at a time when, you know, probably um, coming out of a, a global pandemic, a, a little shot in the arm would be, would be helpful. And it might be too early to, to speak to this, but what kind of, like assuming Seattle is part of the bid, I would assume that there's going to be some, something as part of that bid that would affect the Sounders, whether it be, you know, a temporary or even, I suppose, a permanent grass field at, at CenturyLink. I mean, what are, what are some of the kind of the, the elements of the bid, if you can share, that might affect uh, the Sounders if, if they get, a, you know, assuming that the, you guys get the bid? Um, the elements that will affect the Sounders. Um, or maybe there's not. I don't know. Maybe yeah, no, I present mean, what you have now and say, this is what we got. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think you're for sure there will be a grass pitch for the World Cup um, if it's in Seattle. Um, that'll be a, a, a requirement. Um, the technology is good enough, though, to, you know, to do a temporary field and, you know, maybe the Sounders play a few games on that, on that grass field. Um, you know, FIFA has been good about leaving, you know, legacy projects behind, whether that's, you know, some pitches, you know, pitches in underserved communities. Um, you know, there are, um, uh, you know, infrastructure uh, projects on the horizon. Um, you know, the, uh, obviously, the timing of the World Cup with the, um, the waterfront, the Seattle waterfront project and, and, you know, having the viaduct gone and that, and again, the, you know, for sure COVID has gotten in the way of some development there, but, but there should be an amazing connection uh, by then between the waterfront and, uh, and the stadium. Uh, uh, but, you know, I think that, I think that more than anything, it's just the awareness and the attention to the sport um, that, that a World Cup brings. Uh, it brings new people, new fans to our sport uh, who hopefully, you know, decide to uh, support the Sounders uh, coming out the other end. And so, and I, I realize that timelines are, are tough to nail down right now, but I'm a, it sounds like from what you're saying, the timeline on Tacoma, the Tacoma Stadium has probably been pushed back just as a product of, of there not being a lot of movement during this time, but maybe it's not. Um, you can certainly clarify that. And then I would assume that to the degree that there was ever a hardened, I don't know that there, there certainly has never been a public timeline for any sort of training facility uh, upgrade or, or change. Um, is that still kind of, it sounds like maybe that's, coinciding with world cup potentially even mm, i i think they're those are independent i mean we we know we need to make improvements to our training facility or 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 build a new training facility uh, so uh it, but that is you know it's definitely independent of the world mm -hmm. cup i imagine that whatever we do would be uh 
the World Cup in Seattle would be a beneficiary of. Um, uh, and, and I mean, but I think it's safe to say that the training facility, um, uh, Stadium Tacoma, and the decisions that FIFA U.S. Soccer are making about World Cup have all been have all been delayed by COVID. Um, and and you know, to date, they've probably been delayed by about the length of time you know from the beginning of March. Yeah, and depending on <clears throat> how the world evolves in the next months it'll you know either be delayed further or not but i guess the one thing we can say is none of those have been shelved indefinitely they've just been correct delayed correct yep uh so so the other element that you have that the team has already announced that has that is a change that is potentially coming next year is assuming that there are fans in the stands is that uh you you made a decision to not have season ticket holders up in the 300 section um and I know that at least on Sounder at Heart, that's been met with some pretty loud and uh, I would even say close to universal frustration. Um, if you could, like, what was behind the decision? And, and we can kind of get into that a little bit more. Sure. Um, well, first thing I'll say is that, it, you know, that is something that, well, going back in time, um, we didn't have season ticket holders in the upper level for a bunch of years. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, even like as, as, as far back as a couple of years ago, we started discussing this, um, and, you know, again, it may, it may sound counterintuitive, although it doesn't to me, but, you know, it, the, you know, the genesis of those conversations was continuing to drive value into the season ticket holder um, and and uh, value you know in this particular case has it you know I would say is fairly significantly correlated with our season ticket holders being able to resell their their tickets when they you know when they're not able to attend um, uh, uh, you know we believe that the lower level experience is um is better for our fans now again i'm I, some of our fans in the upper level would disagree obviously um uh we like it when our fans are on top of our players and that you know that we just think that that energy derived from you know from that um proximity is is you know what helps drive drive the team um uh and uh and so you know again it was it was a combination of uh, uh of factors but really ultimately it was to try to drive drive value into the the, the season ticket holder hands um we uh you know just as a data point um, we had, I think, about 800-ish accounts up there, uh, representing a couple thousand tickets. Um, we have lost to date either 11 or 12 accounts, um, which we don't want to do, um, which uh, we're going to fight like hell to, to get back. Um, uh, but that's, you know, one and a half percent. Um, uh, we have added an equal number of new tickets, people moving downstairs who didn't really realize that they could and that they could add on. So, so in terms of, you know, I, I know that there are some people who were upset about this, um, but um, but we're, you know, we, we are, we believe that we have given our fans that we're up there a good alternative. We've worked with them on um, location pricing. Uh, and we are hopeful that, you know, a year of, of being in those seats and they will love it and not miss their seats upstairs. And, so and, and sorry, and, and Jeremiah, I'll just also say, you know, 
this was something that we had talked about. Um, certainly, uh, I think that this pandemic has, you know, and, and to your point, not knowing what next year is going to bring and, you know, and what does 22 look like? And, you know, it, I would say that that also maybe put us over the, you know, maybe put us over the edge in terms of finally making that decision. And one of the, one of the ideas I've seen put out there and I'll just let you speak to it is that there was a, a higher number of available, like the renewal rate this year was not, people were speculating that maybe the renewal rate was not so high this year. And so there was more room in the lower bowl. Um, I, but, and I'll just let you speak. Is that part yeah, of this? No, uh, no. I mean, our renewal rate has been um, super consistent for like, you know, not coincidentally, uh, well, or maybe coincidentally, Jeremiah, uh, our renewal rate was higher until we opened the upper level. Um, and then our renewal rate dropped and I'll, you know, again, I'll, I'm gonna, I'm sure someone will yell at me for giving numbers, but our, you know, our renewal rate has, has dropped from the, um, I would say the low to mid 90% uh, um, numbers into the high 80s. Um, uh, you know, high 80s pushing towards 90. Um, uh, but that's, you know, five, six, seven percent on a big number um, is a big number, right? And right. so we believe that the best way to continue to grow our base and, and to continue to grow our overall audience over time is to renew our season ticket holders in the mid 90s um, and add on top of that, which will then grow the base. Um, and we, you know, look, this uh, um, closing the upper level for season ticket holders does not preclude us from um, opening the upper level for some big events uh, every year. Um, and it doesn't preclude us from uh, from ultimately opening up the upper level for season ticket holders again someday um, and certainly offering first opportunity to those who, you know, who we've displaced. Um, you know, this is, we, we still have the same ambition to ultimately sell out CenturyLink Field, um, but we do believe that getting there um, is going to be heavily focused on taking care of our base season ticket uh, fans. Um, and if, it, you know, if the natural path to selling out CenturyLink Field every year would have, you know, was just opening the upper level all the time, I, you know, we would have, we, we would have, like, continue down that path, but that's just not the, the that's not the, what, what we believe. And, you know, again, people may say we're wrong and, and that's certainly, I mean, that's a, an argument I'm willing to, to have and I may be right, we may be right, we may be wrong. Well, and, and I'll just, uh, one other follow-up I had on that is, uh, what has the process been like for people who were displaced that wanted to that were open to the idea of relocating which it sounds like most of them were and it sounds like some of them even decided to buy more tickets as a result of this i mean what what like where were they in line how was the how did that process get worked what kind of feedback did you hear from people um you know i'm hearing one thing but i'm sure you're hearing another sorry when you say where were they in line what, so like were they did they get first access to like were they able to move were they ahead of people that wanted, like, if I had ticket, tickets in 131 and I wanted to move to 135, I'm right. gonna, like, you know, I have one place in line as opposed to someone who's in 300, 313 and wants to move down to 135. They're in 
presumably like we don't all have access to relocate um time. now you've stumped me Jeremiah. Okay. um <laughs> well i was just curious I, what i guess the question more broadly is what efforts were made to accommodate uh people that were huge. just i mean look we we called everybody individually obviously you know it wasn't like we just sent an email and said hey you've got till tomorrow to you know um we we worked with people on price we worked with them to find whatever fit for them um uh and you know again going into we know that going into a uh, a new year that we that you know there is we were, we were going to lose some number of season ticket holders uh, for 2021, just always happens. So we knew that there was the inventory available to take care of, uh, take care of these fans. So I, 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 I someone that, knows the answer to exactly where. I think that answers broadly what I was, I was just kind of more curious about what accommodations were made for them. Not so much. I didn't need to get into the specifics of it. Um, I'm sure many people had different experiences regardless, but it sounds like you went, you made an effort to go above and beyond in well, terms of working with people. I, look, I hope that our fans, I mean, most of our fans believe that we care about them. We want them to love us, have a great experience feel like we're in this together we're trying to make and 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 that doesn't mean that every single decision we make everyone is going to love but hopefully you know fans have been who've been with us long enough know that we're really trying to m make them want to be Sounders fans and not hate us and have an excuse to cancel season tickets and and again whether we execute perfectly all the time i'm sure we don't um but we didn't make this decision to try to anger a bunch of people and have them stop being fans well and and i think the, the other aspect of this is you know there's there's the individual aspect of people being personally affected and then there's a, a the other aspect which I, i'm curious your thoughts on is as a fan base, you know, we've been told time and time again that part of our strength is in our numbers, that, you know, the Sounders are able to kind of, like, I know uh, Garth has used this analogy before, that you're kind of able to um, out-hit your average, essentially, by, like, you can, you can be a bigger club by having a bigger fan base, essentially, like, kind of be bigger than your market would suggest that you can be. Um, and I think that there's a, a pride aspect that a lot of Sounders fans take in being you know, even if we're not number one anymore, we're still, you know, one of, we're still very clearly number two in terms of average attendance. And so I'm, I'm, what is the anticipated hit in this area? And I guess more broadly, what kind of message do you think it's sending to people that, you know, a couple of years ago, and you mentioned it now that like the goal was to sell out CenturyLink and this is at least temporarily a step back, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I get how someone might interpret it that way. Um, our goal is still to sell out CenturyLink. Our goal is to be number one, not number two. Um, uh, I think our strength is in numbers. Our numbers will still, still be strong and hopefully will, you know, will grow, but will grow from our base being you know, even more committed and feeling the value even greater than, than they already do. Um, uh, but, you know, I will readily admit, uh, this is hard. You know, it's, it's um, you know, if it was easy, you'd open up stadiums and people would just show up and you'd be sold out ever again. It just, but it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen that way. And, and, you know, it's not like we've sucked on the field. So we know that we know that it's not necessarily about the quality of the, of the product. We think that the game day presentation is great. TV, TV ratings are fantastic. Our new partnership with Amazon is, has started strong. Like, but we've talked about this before. Um, 
you know, people are busy. Um, people are busy. They've got a lot of choices. Um, they have to decide where to spend their money. Um, sitting on the couch watching games. Not only our sport, it, every sport is getting better and better. Um, uh, traffic is getting worse and worse. Uh, trips to the stadium are getting worse. You know, now you layer in, a, a, you know, an infectious disease. Like, you know, um, uh, it is, you know, selling tickets, getting butts in seats. And, and even once you've sold the tickets, getting the butts in seats. It's, it's, it's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. So, um, so we, you know, we just feel like, again, making sure that that base of whatever, call it 30,000, is a Sounders army that is devoted uh, to our team and that we are doing our part to give back to them in a way that um, says we value your commitment, your annual commitment to us, um, you know, thereby, you know, well, and, and, and value, Jeremiah, isn't necessarily only in the form of um, being able to resell your tickets, right? I mean, it is, um, you, you know, we want to continue to build more and more um, benefits into the season ticket package membership uh, to make sure our, our base knows we love them. Uh, yeah, that, that all, that all makes sense. Um, is there a, do, do you know a sense of, of like what, like assuming you're, again, this is, you were making big assumptions that there's going to be anyone there. Right. Um, but is, is, do you have a sense of like what the, what the average attendance may end up looking like? It, could it be ultimately unaffected because of other things you do, or is it going to be a, a significantly lower number than, you know, I guess we were at around 40. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, the, the lower bowl and the green zone and the suite, I think, I think that's about 35,000 high 34, something like something in there, 34 to 35. Um, but to your point, um, if you layered in one game where you opened up the entire stadium and had 65,000 people in, in the stadium, that raises the average quickly. You know, you do that twice. It, you know, so um, so it is certainly, I mean, that is certainly the plan is to grow. Um, I, you know, next year, pandemic or no pandemic, I think it's unlikely that, you know, we're going to grow. And 22 might be the same, you know, same thing. I, I you know, I think that's yet to be determined. Um, but long term, we do think that it's the right, it's the right thing to do to grow from uh, whatever 21 and 22 bring. And is CenturyLink still the place where it feels the best place for you guys to be? Like, um, I mean, like, does this suddenly make a new state, like a, your own stadium more, vi more like, is this a signal of that? No, I don't, for me, it isn't. Um, uh, uh, we, you know, we, we have 12 or 13 years left at CenturyLink. Um, we think it's a spectacular uh, location for us. Um, uh, and we do, you know, again, we do think that there is growth ahead, ahead of us. Um, uh, but, you know, it was never going to be, you know, a, a, uh, a straight line slanted up to the, up to the right. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to come with fits and starts. And, and uh, uh, I mean, you see that in pro sports everywhere. Um, maybe Borussia Dortmund might not see that, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, uh, and, and, you know, I think the sports world is going to continue to evolve. And um, uh, so. And so how is this all built into, like, you're presumably in the process of building budgets and, and kind of planning for next year. Is this, 
like how how has this whole situation affected the way that the league is going to be spending that the Sounders are going to be spending on on their team going forward uh you know uh let's see how do I answer it? so uh you know going back in time it's funny uh you and I had a, had a conversation way early in COVID world um and I threw out some big numbers um, and got in trouble with some of my <laughs> that co-owners. That off. <laughs> yeah, uh, for being hyperbolic. And um, turns out I wasn't so hyperbolic. Um, and, you know, the it's just that my partners hadn't quite, you know, this thing hadn't reached the entire country. And so... Um, uh, so, you know, look, COVID is going to leave a dent um, on all sports. Um, but uh, I am super confident in our league, in, in the other owners around the league, in, in my ownership group, um, that, you know, our best days are in front of us and that we are going to continue to spend and invest to improve the product year after year after year. Um, and that, you know, we're in this for the long haul. Um, and, uh, um, y- you know, and that's just kind of what we, what we have to do to continue to grow the, grow the sport and, and grow our league in this country. And so you feel it doesn't sound like the plan is to dramatically cut, like cut back spending. And, and yeah. have you been pretty happy? Like how, what's the sense of how, you know, obviously most teams aren't having any fans. A few teams have had a few thousand fans at games. Um, you know, you alluded to, you know, losses in hundreds of millions of dollars in this previous conversation just now, but um, has the, how do you feel like the league has come through? Like, does it seem like, like, people are getting cold feet. Does it seem like, it sounds like maybe just the opposite. Yeah. I look, I'm not sure that I would say it's just the opposite that everybody's, you know, more excited today than they were six months ago or eight months ago. Um, but, um, you know, owners, owners, my partners, owners around the league didn't get into this for, you know, to make a short-term buck. They're, you know, most of them obviously are rich enough where it's not going to affect their lifestyle um, to, you know, to lose millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, uh, Most of them are doing this for love of the sport and love of their community and that they're super competitive and uh, and, you know, I'm no different and, and, you know, so, uh, so there is a, you know, there is a, a, a full on commitment to seeing this through. Um, again, I'd be remiss if I didn't, if I didn't bring the league up as well as, as, um, an entity that has, um, you know, gone above and beyond during this time to, um, uh, keep keep their people safe, try to, you know, keep connecting with our fans, trying, you know, putting, trying to, to promote the sport and keep the sport going in a very difficult time when, um, y- you know, there are a lot of different pressures from different places. And, and, you know, we were able to pull off the Orlando tournament in a, in a safe way. Um, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways that MLS was sort of a leader um, in in bringing sport back. And, and um, again, I know that, you know, in the middle, middle of a pandemic, it's not necessarily, you know, you can certainly have two different perspectives, you know, should we even be playing sports today? Um, but but I do do believe that like we we have got to get our country back into a um, uh, um, a more um, normalized 
uh, way, um, and, and we just have to. Um, there's no alternative. Uh, it may take a while, but we have to get there. And, and, uh, and I'm proud of our league for, you know, doing its part safely to, to, to bring soccer back. And so have you been happy with the, the, the way that the home stadium portion of this has gone where you have, you know, everyone's flying on charters and playing and, you know, showing up the day of the game and. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think we've done, we've made as many, look, I'm sure we're getting some decisions wrong. Um, but I, but I, I, I'm a huge proponent of the fly in the day of the game, play the game, get out, uh, avoid as much risk as possible. Um, I think that, uh, we've been able to deliver, um, deliver, uh, um, you know, a good, uh, you know, not as good of a TV product as having a, a stadium packed with fans, but it's been a, uh, a, a good TV product um, with some access to audio that sometimes might not be appropriate, but, um, but uh, uh, has been entertaining. I think the virtual, you know, I think the virtual signage um, has has uh, been a positive um, and is a learning for, for us as a league. Um, you know, I think we've been able to engage with fans in to, to some degree, um, you know, again, nowhere near being in person and high-fiving and hugging and, uh, and feeling the experience uh, together. Um, but, uh, and the, the, the in-stadium experience is, uh, yeah, is definitely lacking. Um, By definition, almost, I suppose. But we're making do with, you know, with the, 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 the hand we've been dealt, and, uh, and we'll continue to try to, to do the best possible to, to deliver to deliver a safe environment for our, for our players, staff, coaches, you know, deliver up a, a good entertaining product for fans. Has there any, been any positive like things that you've learned from this whole experience that maybe are, are things that you would have, you know, you were forced to try that maybe you're glad you had to try? Yeah, I think so, Jeremiah. Um, you know, I, I think that, look, we're not the only ones, but I think, um, I think just about all of us um, uh, are maybe surprised by how much you can do remotely um, uh, through through video video conferencing. And, and I, my personal belief is that that um, whether it's Teams, Zoom, Blue Jeans, uh, it, it's the tip of the iceberg in terms of. Um, you know, in, in, in terms of how we use technology, uh, to work remotely. Um, uh, I think that, um, uh, some of the, um, again, I, I mentioned the virtual, the virtual signage, some of, you know, some of those learnings, um, uh, have, have been helpful, um, you know, I think that some of the protocol, just sort of health health awareness protocol, probably has been you know a learning that that wouldn't have come without a crisis like this. Um, you know, I'm hopeful that, and and again, this isn't just for the Sounders, but you know, hopefully, as a society, we learn that if you're sick you probably shouldn't go out and infect a bunch of other people. Um, maybe it's better to stay home. Um, you know, maybe we become at least willing to wear masks as a culture, probably wash our hands more often, sanitize, you know, maybe some social distancing at time. You know, so look, I, it's hard to say that there are lots of great positives that have come out of this, but you know, and I, I'm not even sure that I'd say they're positive, but I do think that our society will be changed um, coming out the other end of, 
COVID. So one thing I wanted to I wanted to close out probably on this is just to get an update on on what's going on with the Sounders Relief Fund and um, and you know you speaking of some of the changes that are going to come out of this like how you know what what you see as the prospects for for life down and by the stadium. Um, ended up raising more than a million dollars and distributing more than a million dollars. Um, it is, uh, it is not flush with cash at this point. I, I think we're, you know, close to the end of our, you know, this, this cycle. Um, I actually, you know, again, when we, when we started it, I anticipated it being sort of a two to three month bridge and Uh, um, but obviously this has dragged on a lot longer than I think we all would have anticipated, um, you know, to have, to have been able to help people out for six, seven, eight months, uh, is a positive. Um, uh, you know, I know that it's, what we did was a drop in the bucket. Um, there are many people struggling still around the stadium, um, and, and obviously everywhere. Uh, in our community, in our country, in the, in the world. Um, uh, uh, so I don't imagine that life will be back to normal around the stadium for, for a while. Um, and we'll continue to do whatever we, you know, whatever we can as the Sounders to, to, uh, to add a positive, you know, a little something positive to, to people's lives. Um, I'd be, uh, you know, you know, the other thing I'd, I'd mentioned, Jeremiah, is um, uh, some of the work we've done, some of our um, community work and, and various platforms, including our social justice platform, with a heavy emphasis on uh, getting all of our players, staff, um, fans to get out and vote. Um, that, you know, there's nothing more important uh, that we can do as, as citizens, as vote. Um, uh, fill out your census. What's that? And fill out the census. And fill out the census. Very true. Um, so, uh, but you know, I think you're gonna, you're gonna see us continue to be active in, in the social justice space, um, uh, speaking out against, uh, racism, bigotry, fascism, you know, um, uh, a bunch of evil uh, in our society. So, um, uh, so, and again, I'm proud, you know, proud that our organization, our league uh, has taken, uh, taken an active role in that, um, you know, Black Players for Change, uh, I think has been a, a really uh, positive, uh, positive addition uh, to our, you know, overall entity. Um, so, well, uh, Adrian, I, I've taken up plenty of your time and I, I really appreciate you once again being so generous with it. Um, it's been great having you on. Uh, you know, it's, it's been, I also wanted to make sure to congratulate you on so far what has been uh, a pretty impressive season from an on-field perspective, uh, all things being considered. It's, yeah, you know, seriously, dude, I get, you know, I get the, the hard, all the hard questions. I don't get to talk about Paulo and Graham Brad Smith home and I know I know I feel I feel bad that you only get the you don't get to talk about any of that stuff that's what you get for for stepping down as GM I guess exactly <laughs> exactly no it's been you know look it I uh, just to to finish I mean for me you know again I for everybody it's been a rough year 2020 has been has been difficult on all of us and uh um you know, watching some good soccer has been, you know, is one of my very few joys, um, you know, that I get on a weekly basis. So I'm appreciative to, uh, to our coaches, players, staff that are keeping, uh, keeping our players healthy. Um, uh, and, you know, and for our, our staff that works, um, well, that used to work in Pioneer Square. Um, and, you know, continuing to, to, uh, keep the trains running on time, if you will. 
I know. I, I, I've said this a couple times in my columns, but it's worth noting. You guys are on pace to have a, you know, like as good as LAFC was last year in the regular season, the numbers you guys are putting up is, are very much on that level. And, um, you know, and it's, I, I know, I understand why it's not getting the attention that it was getting, but it's, uh, it is funny that it's, that it's coming uh, at a time like this, but I, I would like to think that people are, are watching on TV at least and, and tuning into streams and um, getting to see yeah. a lot of really entertaining, fun soccer. It's been, um, you know, I've written about it a couple times, but it's, it's been a real, you know, I would say as, at least since MLS is back uh, in the, in the games you've played since then, it's been, it's been really remarkable. Yeah. Great. Well, and thanks again for your, your support, Jeremiah. Hopefully we'll see you and your readers and all of our fans uh, soon in uh, absolutely country lane. all right well uh thanks again uh that's it uh this is i'm jeremiah shan signing off for adrian hanauer this is uh, a simulcast of the sounder at heart and uh no sorry at this podcast so see you next time all right